from the high desert of Boulder, Colorado, a mutant nexus at the base of the foothills in the Rocky Mountains, about a mile above the sea level portion of the Babylon Matrix, where we are nestled just beneath the beautiful Flatiron Mountains. This is Jonathan Zapp of ZappOracle.com, and welcome to the podcast of A Splinter in Your Mind. And I think this was originally written in 2004 revised again in 2008 and it's being recorded July 30th of 2013 there's something wrong with the world you don't know what it is but it's there like a splinter in your mind driving you mad and that was adapted from the movie The Matrix I just came across a college paper I wrote in 1975 when I was 17 years old entitled Shakespearean Philosophy and the Green World Referring to Shakespeare's philosophy, I wrote, Man was originally designed to live in a completely natural state, in the Garden of Eden, or the Golden Age. An important concept in considering the levels of nature is the wheel of fortune, or the cosmic wheel. This lower order of nature is an amoral force that moves in cyclical patterns, imitating the movements of the stars. The movement of this amoral force produces not only the cycles of seasons and days, but also, in human life, the cycles of prosperity and decline that constitute the wheel of fortune. At the very top of the wheel is the perfect order of the golden age, and at the bottom is a state of non-being or nothingness. It seemed almost eerie to find that nearly 30 years ago, more than that now, I was already preoccupied with and writing about the feeling that ours is a fallen time, and that a golden age, a greener world than this, is a plane of reality that resonates with both past and future. In Return of the King, Tolkien writes, Hope and memory shall live still in some hidden valley where the grass is green. In Shakespeare's plays, the green world, a term coined by literary critic Northrop Frye, is a place in the woods where cosmopolitan neurotic characters go, especially in comedies like A Midsummer Night's Dream and As You Like It, and genders get swapped through cross-dressing, fairies, elves, and visions appear, and somehow the city characters get their psyches and relationships sorted out. We may experience a similar longing for the green world via our, via our desires to be out in nature, go on a wilderness sojourn, attend a rainbow gathering, I would say festivals in general, or experience the realm of Middle Earth through a book or movie, among countless other examples. We also have a part of our intuition that registers a general wrongness about this world. Hamlet says, this time is out of joint and something is rotten in the state of Denmark. Some of the most memorable spoken lines of our era were from the first Matrix movie. There is a splinter in your mind you can't get out and it is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. The Matrix and Tolkien's mythology share a belief with the ancient Gnostics that the realm we have incarnated in is largely a diabolical deception or intrinsically corrupted plane. Tolkien wrote in his notes, But nothing, as has been said, utterly avoids the shadow upon Arda, which is the Middle Earth version of Earth, or is wholly unmarred so as to proceed unhindered upon its right courses. This idea that reality itself is off has come to permeate popular culture. 
A few years ago, a movie came out entitled Reality Bites. Ironically, this awful movie embodied the shallow narcissism that is a big part of why this reality bites. In a letter, Tolkien wrote, But certainly there was an Eden on this very unhappy earth. We all long for it, and we are constantly glimpsing it, our whole nature at its best and least corrupted, its gentlest and most humane, is still soaked with a sense of exile. Unquote. When we perceive the darkness of this realm, we're not always altogether filled with despair because we have both past and future memories of another plane of reality. As a character in a fallen world in Stephen King's Dark Tower series says before falling into an abyss, go then, there are other worlds than these. A few years ago, someone described to me an out-of-body experience which involved seeing what appeared to be the earth from a disembodied point of view out in space. At first they see the earth that we are all familiar with. An eclipse passes and afterwards they see the same planet. But now it is completely green, all signs of human spoilage gone. Two weeks ago in a motel room in Santa Fe, New Mexico, I had an out-of-body experience and got to experience the green world for a few seconds. Apparently, Robert Monroe, the pioneer researcher of out-of-body experiences, has described something similar. Sometimes perceptions that there are other worlds than these comes through a deep perception of wrongness in this reality, a negative implying a positive. I can remember moments growing up in the Bronx and stepping out into hazy, humid air, the sound of jackhammers and sirens, cracked concrete and asphalt, my whole body and being registering that this was a fallen world, a dark possibility amidst an array of parallel alternatives. Even science now affirms that this is not the only channel offered on the holographic cable television of 11-dimensional superstrings vibrating hyperspatially through the multiverse. I remember an old New Yorker cartoon that shows an exasperated father fixing a flat tire in the rain while two petulant children stare at him from the car windows. The father is exclaiming, No, you don't understand. This is reality. You can't switch to another channel. Maybe, maybe not. The father and the kids each have half the perception. We can't always switch the channel when we want it to, but sometimes we can. And more often the channel switches by itself. In a few hours you will get tired and your incarnation channel will switch to the dream time, whether you want it to or not, whether you remember or not. As I discussed in another document, uh, The Mutant versus the Machine and the End of the Iron Age, there is reason to speculate that we might be living at the cusp of a great cycle shift and that a great age of darkness, variously called the Fallen World, Kali Yuga, Iron Age, History, or Babylon Matrix, is about to shift into a new Golden Age. We may or may not live to experience it in our present bodily forms and ego identities, but then again, our present bodily forms and ego identities are largely artifacts of the Matrix. I'm willing to trade mine in for an upgrade when the cycle shifts, and whether it is nuclear Armageddon, mutant virus, asteroid, climactic apocalypse, or that SUV I didn't notice bearing down on me when I crossed the street, the reset button will get pressed, with or without eschaton, as we have the guaranteed escape hatch called death, the attribute that in the Tolkien mythology 
made man more blessed than the elves. The elves were, um, Tolkien called them embalmers because they uh, indulged in what he called premature immortality. One way or another, the cycle will shift and life will reanimate out of the dark compression of the fallen world. In Return of the King, Gandalf says to Aragorn, as he points out a tree growing out of the snow, Turn your face from the green world, and look where all seems barren and cold, yet the life within may then lie sleeping through many long years, and none can foretell the time in which it will awake. We may not be able to choose the time of collective rebirth, and intensified darkness will likely precede the dawn, but we can choose whether we are attuned to life channels or death channels. As the Dylan lyric says, he who's not busy being born is busy dying. I've been noticing bumper stickers saying variations of the end of the world is near, look busy, to surf the tsunami of cataclysmic change, to stay just ahead of the curve. We need to be very busy being born, which also means being busy dying to our denser identifications and false personality structures. I have much more to say about this in another document, also a podcast, Casting Precious into the Cracks of Doom, Androgyny, Alchemy, Evolution, and the One Ring. But here's a brief preview. Tolkien wrote in a letter, It is a fallen world, and there is no consonance between our bodies, minds, and souls. This is a dissonance we can begin to heal right now by expanding our awareness. As Aristophanes suggests in Plato's Symposium, we may, have once, we may once have contained both genders, but in this fallen world, our wholeness was shattered, and we are mostly born into this realm fractured into one gender only. Consequently, we tend toward an addictive, voracious hunger for some other type of person that we falsely believe will complete us. We hunger for the precious often in the form of the hadi, and our obsession with obtaining the hadi can burn holes in our mind and turn us into a wraith. See, stop the hadi. Wholeness can only be found within where it already exists, as biologically and alchemically we already have masculine and feminine within, yin and yang, and it is through the inner alchemical marriage of yin and yang that we rediscover our wholeness. Tolkien writes in a letter, <clears throat> This is a fallen world. The dislocation of sex instinct is one of the chief symptoms of the fall. Unquote. Libido, as Jung used the term, not as Freud who confined it to sex, um, but for Jung, libido is our life drive. The binding attribute of the matrix in this time is the powerfully conditioned tendency for our life drive to be subverted and lost in a focus on obtaining the external object, the precious which might be the shiny new Ford Stomper SUV, money, worldly power, or the hottie. In each case, we are caught in the centrifugal pull of our time, spinning us out into the outer darkness, while the path of wholeness, empowerment, individuation, and love require a centripetal withdrawal of projections onto the world and a rediscovery of our own essence. Through shadow projection, we project our darkness onto the world, and blame the general darkness on specific others. Through disconnection with our inner androgyny, we project wholeness onto the hottie and feel we need them to be our savior. <clears throat> a typical case is that of a heterosexual man out of touch with his feminine 
who sees a beautiful woman and projects his soul onto her and feels he has known her from other lifetimes and that they are destined to be together. Once in a while, this projection may be onto an actual soulmate. If so, the unconscious projection will still interfere with establishing an authentic relationship with an actual person. Tolkien, in a letter, <clears throat> writes about young men needing to see women as companions in shipwreck, not guiding stars. We don't need to wait for the golden age to form the gold elixir of alchemy, the liberated spirit body that comes into being when we rediscover our inner wholeness. We can remove the splinter from our mind, even as we continue to incarnate in a splintered world. Thank you for listening. This is Jonathan Zapp of zapporacle.com, signing off from a splintered world.